Before I get into introducing him, um, Rob's covering some number of shit, so we'll be back soon, hopefully. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> it's fucking cool Saturday, March 31st, 524 p.m., Bedside Brooklyn. Um, special guest here. Very, what would be the word to describe him? Uh, RT centric, I know, one of a kind. <laughs> well, you said special. So I'm, like, I'm a special guest. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, Malik, I mean, you want to introduce yourself, something to the people, what you want to say? Um, what you been up to? How to talk to them? Like, yeah. You haven't heard from you in a while. Like, they just see you. Like, people want to hear about you, man. All right, <laughs> so my name is Malik. I love my name, so I'm going to say my whole name, Please. which is Malik Jamal Glee. Thanks to my mom. I love my name. And um, I'm just in New York for the weekend. I'm needing to get away and to visit my friends. Like, everyone, I feel like, has yeah. left me. All of my friends are either... <laughs> In New York or Atlanta, and I'm in um, PG County, right outside of DC. Okay. Um, I met Mike at Howard. Mm -hmm. um, right now, I'm in grad school at Goucher. It's my last semester of graduate school. Um, I work at the Prince George's African American Museum. What are and, you? Um, yeah. Really, what are you working on in graduate school? Uh, in graduate school, my um, master's will be in cultural sustainability. 
I like to say cultural sustainability. sustainability. So um, I like to say it's applied anthropology. What we're looking at is ways to sustain local cultural and artistic practices, given um, gentrification, given globalization, um, and just given um, where we are as a global society, which really um, prioritizes technology, which really centralizes like particular identities. How does that look though? Like what? What do you do like in the field? Like- so how I apply it um, is to my work as a museum professional. Um, I've always enjoyed history, and now I'm applying that um, in curating exhibitions, particularly um, looking at um, the African American music, uh, African American community of Prince George's mm-hmm. County. But beyond that. Um, I see this work being applied to me combating um, gentrification as it is like a global crisis and um, just making sure that we preserve like local histories and traditions and even languages. Um, We find that English, French, and Spanish are like dominating the globe. Mm -hmm. There's so many other languages that are like, or that are endangered and that are... um, Becoming extinct because there is no written text sometimes for the languages. So for me, I think because there's so much I can do, it's really like my life trajectory. It's cool. I mean, what's like the angle we go into that just feel like, how do you see yourself? Like, how do you see it all playing out? Like, what would be the ideal situation for you? You know what I mean? The ideal situation would be... um, for me to like to publish several books, connect, collect, connecting um, African American culture to the mm-hmm. cross, culture across the diaspora, I've started doing that work recently. I went to a trip to Ghana with Backyard Band. Oh, um, nice. yeah, yeah. I saw that. That yeah. was probably amazing. It was amazing. They're shooting that, a documentary. This one sentence, I went to Ghana with Backyard Band, just like <laughs> you know, it was life changing. <laughs> it was life changing, and um, they're doing the work I'm looking to do on a long term basis, like connecting. Um, what we've created here in the states to where it originated in the continent. So, mm. shout out to Backyard Band at a Dinka group outside of DC yeah. for coordinating that trip and having me be a part of it. Um, Wait, talk about that though. I mean, you can't just like say yeah. That, so that, pretty, much, like, pretty, like, much, pretty much, pretty much, pretty much. I saw on Facebook like last year the Backyard Band was going to Ghana, yeah. um, and so I, I like DM them, I emailed them, I got no response because yeah. I really wanted to make this a part of my graduate studies. So I wanted to make it official by reaching out and seeing how I could be a part of the program. No one ever really responded to me, but I was like, whatever. I'm just gonna pay my way. I'm gonna go anyway. Mm-hmm. So I paid my way to go. Wow. We spent um, about eleven days. Um, in Ghana, um, in Accra, Acropone, and Cape Coast. Mm-hmm. And so we had the experience of the modern city of Accra, but we also lived um, a more traditional lifestyle when we were in Acropone and uh, Cape Coast. Wow. So the back, we followed back our brand as they were shooting a documentary, again, connecting the two cultures. Mm-hmm. And this was a part of their first annual Back to Africa Festival. So now um, the Dinka Group in D.C., has a partnership with the Ghanaian uh, Cultural Authority, and they're every year producing a festival to bring Amer- African American audience uh, uh, artists uh-huh. to Ghana. So is the Dinka Group some like what like cultural center? Or yeah, like- the Dinka Group Cultural Center is in Mount Rainier, Maryland, right oh, outside right. of DC. They do West um, African dance classes, oh, art cool. exhibitions. Um, unfortunately, I don't know all of the programming, but I know they do a lot of programs, mainly connecting or widening the education for African-Americans to the African diaspora. So this is like a major project for them. And I do want to give a big thank you to the Dinka Group and to their coordinator, Diallo Sambari, uh, for planning this amazing trip. Mm, That sounds amazing, bro. 
Well, what were some of the books you were talking about? I mean, I know you're saying you're like you're interested in big and like creating books. <laughs> What's some of the books that really? Oh, like? okay. So like right yeah. now, so my field of anthropology um, it really involves ethnography, which is the study of humans oh. on a social level, mm-hmm. um, and so I look up to. Um, scholars such as Zora Neale Hurston because Zora Neale Hurston connects both of my interests as far as theater, dramaturgy, um, and um, ethnography. Mm -hmm. So what Zora Neale Hurston has done is she spent time um, in the settings of her plays and she got to know the communities very intimately and used those um, learnings to produce her her, her scripts. So I'm still like figuring out how to connect theater to my more academic studies, but I use Zora Neale Hurston as kind of my guiding light through this. So the way I see them connect um, is creating, even now, like theater, unfortunately, like I'm a theater artist. I went to perform arts high school, (laughs) went to Howard for theater. I love theater more than I love film, but just giving the way our society is moving with technology, theater is becoming a lesser art form. It's like, it's me understanding that I have to gravitate towards like media and film. Um, I always saw theater like, compared like the music, like would be like the mixtape, mixtape grind, you start off with being an actor, you go to That's true, no, because then you like branch up to other things. Theater is more accessible, but also like, like you said, comparing it to like the mixtape, theater is vital because it's a different like hustler mentality and spirit mm-hmm. just like when you're doing a mixtape like no one knows who you are yet sure. so your grind is yeah. like more so I felt artists who are starting like in New York or like who are doing the theater track mm-hmm. they are getting the tools because of the amount of rejection they have to get but also because of the chops that theater requires theater in my opinion requires more of a performer than film because there's no second take it's like mm. do or die like you're on stage right there, right? you just have that moment and it requires more of your body because there's no second take no one can give you feedback you have to be fully present while you're on the stage at that moment mm. um so i'm looking even now like at ways to bridge do you still like do like acting or something of that nature like in so i haven't really i'm just so sad because i love to act but i haven't been on stage in like i don't know like six years <laughs> what's, the only, what's been like holding you back N- nothing's been holding me back i think um well i guess something has been holding me back because switching from like being an actor to being a writer has been my interest and i think those two things complement each other but i've just given more attention to writing so um last year I've been. I have like three like scripts that I'm confident in. But last oh. year was my first produced and published play. It was in Zynga, uh, Queen of Angola. So mm-hmm. I t- I told it. I wrote a children's musical in conjunction or about um, Queen and Zynga of Angola, um, who was the first queen to lead a militarized army to combat um, a European uh, colony. So oh. uh, Queen and Zynga fought off the Portuguese settlers. Um, under her reign, about 40 years, there was no invasion by the Portuguese to um, the Angolan people. So that was the first musical I wrote and produced and directed. And this, this was shown where? This was this was toured around Prince George's County in D.C. It was um, produced by the Prince George's Children's oh, Theater. <laughs> yeah, so a lot of kids got to saw the show. And this year, I'm directing for the Prince George's County Children's Theater again. I just didn't write the play this year. Mm. Um, so I'm still... Getting my and I and I directed at Howard too. This is like probably my most proud credit. I directed Marcus or the Secret Secret of Sweet, which was written by Terrell Alvin McCraney, who was the writer for Moonlight. So I directed his play at Howard, and I think that's my most that's like the proudest work I've done. 
Um, so I've gotten to children's theater, but I'm looking to work with adults again. Right, like, right, you know, right, so right, right, I have to kind of <laughs> figure out that in the professional realm. It was easy when I was a student, but now it's like I'm still building that network um, to enter theater in that way. That's true. So you're liking more like... Are you, doing, are, you, are you liking more like playwriting now than acting or do you think you'll ever get back into it? No, I'm definitely liking playwriting more than acting because... Oh, I like... I should say beyond all of those, I like directing because I what, like... What would be the difference between directing and playwriting? So directing, it can be a script that I've written or it can be a script that someone else has written. But what I like about directing is um, the collaboration between all that's involved. So... Mm-hmm. Having a vision and then having the costume designer impact or inform that vision, and having the set designer inform that mm-hmm. vision, you can and having have more fields. Like, you're learning a lot because okay, okay. you have to learn a little bit about each skill set, but yeah. you're not the expert, and it's fine not to be the expert. But when you're a playwright, people expect you to be the expert because you're producing the text that everyone is following. When you're a director, it's like I'm not the expert, but I trust you, and I trust you, and I trust you, and this is my vision, and you guys help me shape it. Mm. So I think there's more shared authority when you're a director more than when you're a playwright. Um, I feel, particularly playwriting, because it's normally just your own thoughts. Mm -hmm. You like hold it sacred and you hold it close to you. When directing is usually someone else's words and you're like working with them. So I like just like giving up or being more free. Mm -hmm. Because when you're a playwright, it's like you feel very close to your work. So Mm -hmm. it's like... It's, it's hard to share. It's hard, hard to hard share to with people and to be open to their interpretation. But when you're a director, it's like all your job is to be open. <laughs> job is to let people do their job. Yeah, to let people other people do their jobs. Facts, facts, facts. Right now, that's, that's what's up, though, man. I mean, um, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me, but I mean, uh, how how do you see like the correlation between um, you know, theater and like music? I've always been kind of big on like music soundtracks and like sports mm-hmm. and like that nature, like. I recently really felt like the Black Panther soundtrack. It was so was good. One of like the look, more well done soundtracks in a long time, like in the movies. It's it brought back the soundtrack because you think like the Nutty Professor soundtrack is a soundtrack. Really like, yeah. The Wedding to Exhale soundtrack yeah. is a soundtrack. Like in the nineties, I think we had a better connection between film and music. Yeah, the connection's still there, but it was like done differently because like. Even you said the neighbor friends talking about getting like hoes and like yeah and like that. yeah and the yeah soundtrack is like kind of crazy. Um, I will say this: I love the Black Panther soundtrack. I wish more of it was actually in the film because I think that would have elevated the film. Okay, I'm, okay, okay. But I agree with that. I still I respect that. both. I, I love both. Um, I think we may be finding our way, hopefully, back to it. I don't feel like the two really inform each other because, like, I used to really love music videos. They don't inform each other. What do you mean? Like right now, I don't see music having a close connection to like the performativity that is involved with a concert and or music video yeah there are like i remember some of that last episode like there's a lot of people who were not putting like the amount of effort into like producting quality music videos yeah you know i mean like just comparing like the budgets of like a diddy and a missy yelly to like a little pump and like you know, Lil whatever you know? or a little uzi like all of them like there's no story yeah you know no, so like I remember I saw like Diddy had like a two like a million dollars in budget for the uh, what's the video when they're on the boat him and Biggie and Diddy and on the boat and uh, mm. I think and then the hypnotize me video I think I think it is hypnotize me yeah because they have like pouring champagne yeah. yes <laughs> so all of that glamour and that luxury it's like everyone wants to be so like regular right now because mm. they want to relate to the I feel like everyone's aiming for like a very regular 
persona. Where do you think that stems from? Is, is it like, I don't know, everyone's... I saw a girl's list today, like, on this Generation Z is, like, super sensitive, hypersensitive to everything. I don't know if that... I think that may affect it, it because... I mean, that may affect it because you want to connect, I guess, to your audience. But this only, I feel like this era now is, like, way more open and, like, way more, like, open to, like, art in, like, different ways. Like, rap now is, like, seen as, like, so many sub-genres inside of it and things like that. Like, mm-hmm. you look at rap before, it was, like, so rigid. There wasn't, like... No, it was only one way of doing it. If you weren't doing that one way, you would look so differently. But now it's like so many different uh, ways you can come out between SoundCloud or like, you know what I mean? The doors are way more open yeah. now. So we get to have more like influence. Yeah. So yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. But I mean, you can, you can see now like a lot of impact on like art and rap still. But I don't think it's like the same. Even you can see on like cover art. For like albums, like well, I will say there are artists who I think are doing an excellent job at it. I just mm. don't think they have the support to make them at the level where they're like mainstream. True. Um, like for there instance, Oshun. I'm just gonna give like my personal favorites who I think have a very particular mm. like packaging that is well informed cool. by art. It's like Oshun, Rico cool. Nasty, um, and there was someone really else. Got into Rico Nasty for real. I love her because she's like a punk rock rapper, and like they like that gives you like Uzi. That gives you like um, I don't know all of those like yeah, no, thought no, hair yeah. boys, <laughs> but there's like a whole clip of boys who are like thought hair, and they're like punk rock, yeah, yeah. dude. But I feel like Rico Nasty is authentically that, and I'm I'm glad that she's like a woman in that role because I feel like only recently men have been like. The punk yeah. rock rappers. So she's like the first to me, like punk rap mm-hmm. woman. But um, there was someone else I wanted to mention who has like a good packaging. <sighs> oh, Jungle Pussy. I think Jungle Pussy too has like a good like... Is that a group or is that one person? It's a one woman. Okay. She's a rapper at Jungle Pussy. She's from... I think she's from Brooklyn too. Oh, work. Yeah. What's some good like albums or anything? Like, she had her album... Um, gosh... She's going to hear this and not fuck with you right now. No, Jungle Pussy, I love you. I'm trying to think. Um, she only has one album out, so it's sad that I don't remember it, but I know tracks to remind you. Or, my phone's not near me. Anyway, Jungle Pussy, um, Dear Diary. This is a Dear Diary by Jungle Pussy. Um, Nothing For Me by Jungle Pussy. You could listen to... Um, gosh. Jungle Pussy, I love you. But listen, y'all, just Google <laughs> Jungle Pussy. Just that's all you have to do. <laughs> but no, that's cool, man. But uh, but then so like, who are you listening to? Like, who's making your like Serata right now? Like, they're like recently added like Axel. Um, the right uh, Chloe and Haley album is like really good. It's who's, like who's that? Chloe and Haley. They're like the two young girls with the locks. They're like. 18 and 20. They're mm-hmm. Beyonce's protege. It's their first album, and I like them because I don't know how to classify their music. It's like operatic R&B. Operatic R&B. It's like so different. I also like her because I think her... <laughs> I don't her's really... Person, basically. Yeah, yeah, her as a person. She has like... She has a mystique where she doesn't... She hasn't really... I, I revealed her person, like, who she is. Mm. Like, all her performances, she wears sunglasses, and she has, like, fog. and So we don't really know who she is, right. but I enjoy her. Um, I enjoy Daniel Caesar. Uh, I listen to some of this stuff. Daniel Caesar is kind of cool. Yeah, he's bringing back, like, just, like, a vulnerable man, mm, which I appreciate. True, true. I and, listen to a lot of, like, uh, recently on SoundCloud, uh, Soul Lection. 
they have like they like radio show like mm-hmm. music and stuff like that and they put like a lot of like you know social like that like Daniel Caesar, her shit like that Amber Olivier. I will check it out. And also, although I'm gonna be real, I'm gonna be really myself. I like Sabrina Castillo, I think that's her name, but she's like a a racially ambiguous artist. And she really fits that. I feel like, okay, so racially ambiguous, that's not your fault. Like, if you're born that way, cool. Mm -hmm. But I feel like there's a particular, like, aesthetic that they are, like, submitting to so they could, like, excel in a particular field. Mm -hmm. So, like, Sabrina Castillo or whatever her name is, I really, I really enjoy her music, but like you didn't have to zoom in on your butt being big, but you did that because you're racially ambiguous and that's in your benefit to have certain black features, but not all of them. So like that's why like I enjoy your music, but I'm like a little torn mm. about really giving you a stamp of approval. <laughs> uh. Yeah. <laughs> but I like your music. I like your music, but you just be aware of like your position as like a racially ambiguous woman and like what you choose to share. Cause you choose to zoom in on your butt. No, that's that's but you may not choose to zoom on your edges. That's probably into his culture though. That's real. That's real. I mean that's real if it's that's in their culture. Like people Choosing when they want to be black. They like, choose. Like, they choose when they want to be black. black. And that's the same thing with Bruno Mars. Like, you be black I don't. I really black. don't think Bruno Mars is a cultural appropriator, personally. Right. But I don't like I, Bruno I, I, Mars. I've heard this people say this before. I never really understood it for real. Like, maybe I, I never really did the research to understand it for real. But like, so Bruno Mars. This is my thing. I don't think Bruno Mars is a cultural appropriator because if you are Puerto Rican, you are part of the African diaspora. So he's Puerto Rican. He's Puerto Rican and Filipino. But my thing is, like, you grew up in Hawaii, or he grew up in Hawaii, so his access to, like, black culture was only what he was receiving from the media, whereas, like, Latino people, like, Latino rappers like Big Pun or NRE or Fat Joe lived in New York City. They had a a close proximity to, like, black artists right, right. so for me Bruno, similar situations yeah that. like they okay. probably went to school with them like they were their actual friends they had like fat joe uh big pun remy ma like they had they incorporated black artists in their clique okay. and i don't get that from bruno so i don't think bruno's a cultural appropriator because he does credit the other artists who influence him but credit goes but so far because we live in the united states and money is power so like my my issue with Bruno is that where's the money going? Like, are you are you collaborating with black artists? Cardi B, I like you, Cardi B, but that don't count. Like, I'm sorry, Bruno. Bruno, give me a, a remix with Remy Ma. Or give me a remix with uh, Rick Ross. Give me someone who is like visibly black, and then you could get a pass from me. That is, that's a, that's a very solid point, and. I want to make sure I'm saying the right thing right now because Bruno Mars. I mean, I'm not sure. I mean, she did, he did for sure capitalize on Cardi B's moment by him doing that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that, that that's a very solid point. I never even thought about it that. I didn't know he was from Hawaii either. <laughs> yeah, he's from Hawaii. And then I like, I do like, I really enjoy Cardi B. But um, like you said, he was just capitalizing off a moment. And that, right. I think that speaks to like his career. He finds what works for him and he goes with it no matter who it offends or who um, is left out of that picture.
notes all around my room saying, be you, stay true, be different. Sticky notes all around my room saying, be you, stay true, be different. Sticky notes all around my room saying, be you, stay true, be different. All around the world, different types of insecurities, anxieties, perceptions, your mind is your weapon, so protect it. I used to post notes to inspire me, yeah, remind me not to be so grimy. Every time I stroll on my phone, I feel low, wishing I had more followers and more likes, but it doesn't really matter, cut that negative chit-chatting, and Sophie stick stems from your mind, so when you use an angle, it right. Notes all around my room saying, Be you, stay true, be different. Sticky notes all around my room saying, Be you, stay true, be different. Sticky notes all around my room saying, Be you, stay true, be different. Too many lost souls trapped in the shallow world, accustomed to the mirrors from society eyes. But we can all rise from this. You take this tip and post it on your wall while you're at it. Love yourself and nothing else should really matter. I see you settling instead of working on development. I hate to tell you this, but you're living in the matrix if you think that you can't make it. So wake up, get your cake up, stay prayed up. And maybe always keep a J in the cut, rolled up and catch me in the mist. Blowing smoke, writing these poetries, only sticky notes. I just want you to know you will probably never grow till you see the beauty that you behold. Don't be like these dusty bitches, crusty toes, lip dropping assholes, getting others down because they got dreams and they don't. It's called goals. Be you, stay true, be, be back. That's a quick break. You know, you know how that goes. Um, but no, I mean, being from like DC and stuff, like, how do you feel like that really like shaped like how you have your upbringing like that? I know for me, it like kind of shaped like how I move, like how I like how I talk, how I dress, and like I really didn't understand it until I left out somewhere, like mm-hmm. I had kind of conversation with people or like move in a certain way. You know what I mean? It was just it really uh, when I went back the weekend like last weekend ago it, was, it just felt good like being on DC's train you know, a lot more space open yeah yeah like knowing where I'm going I'm still like mad lost in New York every day <laughs> it's huge I realized cause I came here like okay Brooklyn like cool Every, everyone I know is in Brooklyn Everyone I know is an hour away from each other I'm like Brooklyn is the size of DC like, like it's so big but um Growing up in D.C., and I have to be honest because I don't want any D.C. people to, like, come at me. I grew up in PG County, so it's outside of D.C. But I think for me, I always remember, like, the culture shock I had when I went to high school because I went to public school in high school. Mm -hmm. And I went to private school and middle school, I mean, elementary school, middle school. So, like, I thought all of the stereotypes of, like, black Americans weren't real. Like, literally, and I think that's important, too. Like, you, you know, thought they you, weren't real because where you went to high school? Because of where I went to elementary school, middle school. Where was that? I didn't I, in PG County. What was the school stuff? The school was Grace Brethren Christian School, okay. GBCS. <laughs> <laughs> but I went there from elementary school, middle school, and like so when you see in the media like people getting shot and drug dealers and all this just stuff about Black American culture, I'm mm-hmm. like that's not real. Like I I thought I knew what propaganda was mm-hmm. before propaganda was in my vocabulary because like in my life I only met business owners, doctors, lawyers like everyone who could afford to go mm. to private school. You're like seeing that at an early age Yeah, so like I was like that's not real like people don't do drugs like what they're just trying to make black people look bad like everyone's racist. <laughs> I, uh, that's how that's I felt at, like as a child Are but then when I got to real? public school I was like okay there's some validity like <laughs> this shit is going it is going on <laughs> so I think I, that's why growing up around D.C. and 
PG County was important because there's so much um, diversity in the yeah. Black American experience a in PG County, yeah. even from different, you know, across the globe. So I think that was important, but also I've been privileged to the fact that like now, the only other place I think I can live is Atlanta because like I've mm-hmm. only worked, lived, went to school with Black people, mm. and I'm fine with that. True. So now it's like, damn, I gotta go somewhere else, and it's like white people there, and it's just, and I now I'm at a PWI. It's a culture. It's my first time really being in an educational environment with white people. Oh, what's like the difference with your scene? A bit. Well, one, one, when they say like when black black parents keep telling your kids you gotta be twice as good because it really is true. Because when you're twice as good, like this is my thing. Like I had a lot of insecurity going to grad school because I was I, I was the youngest person and I was the only black person. Mm-hmm. But that was both to my benefit because all of my peers, I'm graduating, so I don't really care. All of my peers, their work is trash, but they're yeah. like white and they're like forty, they and it's just good. and it's just they be so lazy. They're lazy, but they get like A's, and they yeah. get you know they get in the great. I mean, I am their too. Dad's dad is like somebody or own something, or my but, dad is like XYZ. Yeah, they got a certain access, yeah. but it's like when we think about the like when we think about the United States, or we just think about long term, like that privilege is going to dissipate because we're getting to a place where we really have to face real issues, mm-hmm. real crises, like you know the environment. Our American political system, like all of these things are coming to the worst of the worst. And like you need people who have the intellectual yeah. capacity to really heal and to really like move us forward. And I don't think those is white people. And that's only me being like very unbiased and me being like very like very serious in what I'm saying from a anthropological state of view. Like white people have always been in a intellectually an intellectual disadvantage. Of course. Um, one, like thousands of years ago when they were living in Cape, like just from their, their access to the natural mm-hmm. energy of the world, they well, had yeah, a disadvantage. Historic perspective, yeah. historic perspective, which is surprising to me because white people validate institutionalized education, but this is one form of institutionalized education they will not acknowledge, which is anthropology and the studies of humans and how human societies has developed. And if you yeah. look at the Western world, if you look at Europeans and Caucasians, they have not had the access to natural resources that would give them the intellectual and spiritual capacity to be active citizens building or adding to our global society. They've lived in caves. They haven't had access to sun. Sun is the light source of all things. Mm. Like, sun is the the source of all energy. So if you spend thousands of years in a cave hiding from light, which is goodness, hiding from light, which is what gives you the energy and intellectual capacity to mm-hmm. you can't grow. Like they've been in a stagnant state of mind for thousands of years. Mm-hmm. So now when we have these white liberals who want to be woke and want to do all these things, like I feel you, you're there because now you're finally in the sunlight. Like right. now you have access to black people who are in a space where we can talk to you and have a dialogue with you, but we're already ahead of you. And I think black people, we need to like stand proud and that, you know, although the powers that be don't recognize our intellectual capacity right, right. that ours is more significant because of like our st- like like facts proven yeah. like facts yeah. that we are just more advanced than the white mind so going to a PWI yeah. knowing that it's hard when that's not necessarily affirmed or where in the PWI um I have to explain explain almost everything that I say I remember 
one semester I was taking art and social change and I did a project on Cardi B yeah. using um nice perfect example. Yeah, yeah. I'm using <laughs> Cardi B's Instagram page as like performance art and like widening like um intersectional feminism and everyone's like well well why does she have to curse like there's like all these like very minuscule things that really yeah. have no importance yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's like well i understand what she's saying but maybe she's not my cup of tea and like yeah. she is and if she's not your cup of tea don't waste your time by saying that like just sit down and just understand that and don't speak so are you ever like do you ever lose like motivation being the pw sometimes no i mean I don't lose motivation because, like, I'm spending money. That's why I'm not losing motivation because, like, I got to get through because I'm spending money. But, um, no, I don't lose motivation because I'm spending money to get this degree. I'm going to get it. And I, I, I think the sad part is, like, my spirit isn't in it the same way it was with, like, Howard, which is a black mm. school. Or, like, and it seems more like a job now. Yeah, it just seems like I get home from work. I have homework and that's it. Like, I'm yeah. not really excited about. Not really in college like you used to be. Like, yeah, and I, and. Yeah, I think that's the perfect way to describe it.
I don't know. I was talking about that this weekend Uh-oh. as far as like what's next for me. Um, that question is always what next. Like, you know, it's always. So yeah, long, I mean, well, long, yeah, so. to be honest, it's like the only place I see myself, well, mm-hmm, that's a little short sighted. Mm-hmm. Um, I can see myself in one of three places New York, DC, or Atlanta. I say DC and Atlanta because it's a similar culture as far as like. African American populations, they're affluent. They have political clout and power. Um, New York is because it's just diverse. It's the place to be. But I think my heart's goal, as far as like building a foundation for my life, is not even in the United States. Mm-hmm. So part of me is like, let me just stay in PG County where, where I would am. You go of the I don't know yet. Like, I went to Ghana. That was my first time on the continent. But mm-hmm. just like being in Ghana was like, okay. I'm meant to be in Africa. I don't know where. Yeah. So, like, I'm going to South Africa in December. And, like, I'm making, like, a calendar of other countries to visit. Because I don't want to just be like, okay, I went to Ghana. And, like, cool, dope. Because, like, that's yeah. the first place I went to. I didn't go everywhere. That's so the beginning. It's the beginning of, like, opening my mind. Like, it's the beginning of, like, opening my mind. So, um, I'm giving myself, like, 10 years. Mm-hmm. Which is a long time. But I think it's necessary to be realistic. I'm giving myself 10 years to move. Um, somewhere in the continent. I don't know okay. where that's going to be right now. What are some... Is, is, is perfect, <laughs> perfect segue into the next topic. Like, What's some of like, your, your top five travel destinations? Is it place I've been or place I want to go to? You want to go to? Okay. I, I'm mad at asking because that's harder. Like, If I haven't been there, I don't know what to say. I don't what's know. What's the place you've been there? Right? I'll give you the five places that I've been. And we still want to hear where you want to go, though. Still. Okay. So I'll give the... <laughs> even five is a little hard. Okay, I'll, I'll try to get five of where I've been, and then I'll give three. Because it's sad, because I've only been to Africa once. So now I'm like, once I travel, I know every destination yeah. will be on the continent. I've only been to the country once, honestly, and I was going to Cuba last year. Yeah. I started getting on a plane maybe like two, three years ago. For oh, so true. Once I got that bug of just like going somewhere on a plane, like traveling, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, they go, yeah, it builds a fuel. But right now, I would say top five travel destinations, I would say Lucerne, Switzerland. Um, Wait, why? Lucerne, Switzerland, because it's like, it's almost, it's like, 
Ooh, I can't say that because it's like blasphemous to say it's like Wakanda because it's like oh. the colonizers <laughs> land, but it's like Wakanda in the sense that it's like in a valley area, so it's like so secluded. Like it's like literally in the middle of a valley in mm-hmm. Lucerne. It's like where you get like Lucerne cheese. So There's like a lot of cows mm-hmm. and goats in Lucerne. It's the headquarters for Swarovski crystals. So like when I say I'm saying all these things, like Lucerne is like a really like like it's like it's just a beautiful place to be. Because it's not that crowded. The architecture is beautiful. Um, And it's like a little touristy. I just like Lucerne because it was like quiet and peaceful. So I'll say my first place (laughs) would be like Lucerne, Switzerland. My second place to just visit or is it just like visit? Like travel to? Just travel to, yeah. Um, Paris would be my second place to travel to. Paris anytime. Of yeah, it's just yeah. it's just always something to do. It's a big city. It's cool. Third, I would say um, favorite place. I'm mean, this place is I've been. So my okay. favorite place I've been. Third. Um, oh, I would say Accra. Not even necessarily Accra. I would say Cape Coast, Ghana, more than mm-hmm. Accra for third. And maybe fourth would be Accra, and then fifth would be. Um, It's somewhere in the <laughs> States, because I've named almost every place I've been outside of the U.S. Um, this is really lame. Uh-oh. I would say Minneapolis. <laughs> <laughs> that was so random. I say Minneapolis because it's so chill. <laughs> and because, like, the weed is accessible. It's like, come by. It's, like, so chill. So I'll say Minneapolis. You wait. Just out of curiosity, why did you been in Minneapolis before? Just... I've been in Minneapolis because um, a couple of my friends work there. Minneapolis has a good theater, mm-hmm. like it's like a good theater city. Mm-hmm. So I have a couple of friends who work in the theaters in Minneapolis. So I've gone to visit, and every time I've been in Minneapolis, it's been a good experience. They have good brunch spots. It's not crowded, and it reminds me of like where I imagine Matilda to be shot, mm-hmm. like kind of like nice homes, very quiet. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I'm, I'm, I was thinking, like, if I could do this. When you said five places you have been to, I'm trying to think, like, how you going to do that list? My list would be trash from that list. That's why I was like, <laughs> I was trying to think, like, I was trying to think of everything because the United States, I feel like everything is very similar. Yeah. So it's hard to say. I mean, my top five places I want to go to, I would have to put, like, Tokyo and that for sure. It's like, the aesthetic of, of just Tokyo as a whole, like, yeah, mm-hmm. endless amount of neon lights and, like, the amount of people, every amount of people there, like the fashion there, the art there, like the food there, everything about it is like really is super intriguing to me. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Even like the TV show, like anime, stuff like that is like... Yeah, they have a, they have a very strong culture. Yeah, very super strong culture. Like, yeah. They're probably like... No, no, no. But uh, London probably also be on my list. Uh, I'll fuck with like, you know, the uh, the grime, London's like rap scene is super heavy. Mm-hmm. Their culture is really submitted like, to like, it's super heavy out there. Like the underground scene is like really, really big. Like similar to like when rap is first started in the States. Yeah. So now, now it's just getting like that buzz now. So like out there now is like crazy. Like, the DJ scene is like super wild now. The only person I know from London is Skepta. But yeah. I love, I Skepta, love Skepta. Skepta, I mean, he's like the OG of like grind for real. That's that's and what I get from him. He's like the chosen one. Box, box, box. Yeah, I would have to go to. I would love to go to Legos one day. Most of my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and you will. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> Santorini, Greece would be amazing. I would love to go there. Like just like 
Chinoy has told me about it before, but when I saw like Rick Ross' video about sending me in Greece, mm-hmm. it was pretty in my head like, oh, it's somewhere I have to go. Yeah. Like, I got to boss up and like one day like be out here like for like living this life. And then last but not least would probably be Morocco. Morocco's on my list and um, Greece is on my list as mm. well for like places I have to go to. Um, and Thailand too. Thailand? Yeah. Thailand would be weird. But, um, wait, I'm putting my roommate, old roommate on blast real quick. He told me he wanted to, uh, he went to Dubai, uh, study abroad for a little bit, and uh-huh. he said he went to, like, to Thailand and got, like, dumb drunk, and, like, all of him and his friends got, like, matching tattoos. Ah, that's <laughs> funny. <laughs> also random shit, but shout out to Jake Sparks. Uh, but the last topic I wanted to get into before we uh, wrap this up was, uh, talking about the double XL freshman cover. And it's like, do you think it still holds the same weight it used to? I hope that people know that it doesn't. Um, only because Whose like fault is that though? Is that double XL fault? Or it is, is double XL's fault. Is it fault of um like, I, I feel like I always blame it on this like social media or internet. No, it's double XL's fault because they they have um a respected voice. So whoever they say is like it, people will follow suit on yeah. social media and people will follow suit. Their platform, right? Yeah. So like I forever, 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 ever, and she's actually my favorite rapper. Mm-hmm. Of all times, as controversial as this will be, Azalea Banks is my favorite rapper of all time. She may even be my really? favorite artist. Wait, why is this? I mean, a lot of people time. say Azalea Banks doesn't get the respect she deserves in rap, honestly. She deserves everything. She deserves everything because Azalea Banks is fearless. And her. she's a very, a very niche, like, housey, queer-centric yeah. Like energy, early. like she was, she was out there early. Like, yeah, she was yeah. out there for a minute, and Azalea Banks has always been true to her brand, mm-hmm. and her brand is purely Azalea Banks. She writes her own. Con- you can tell it's from her. Yeah. Um, so I say that because Azalea Banks put Double XL on blast because they had. Uh, I don't even know all of these guys. They all look the same. <laughs> all of them. They, they all have tattoos on their faces yeah. and like. Colored hair with beads. So and the stuff. new the new formulas are getting to be getting put on right now. <laughs> Dying your dress, getting things tattoos, making a song. song yeah, it's like all of these cookie cutter boys yeah. are the same, but they're like hella misogynistic. They're like hella like just anti black, and they're just yeah. trash. And so Zoya Banks was like, like really give her like give us a break. Like so that's my thing about Double XL. It's their fault because what they're feel, feeding is validated and. We're not even talking about Charlemagne, but I just now that I have a platform, <laughs> I was to say Charlemagne is trash and garbage. Speak on it, speak on it. Charlemagne because he um, does ask horrible questions out of it, and those come out of nowhere. And anyone it? who bought Black Privilege, y'all are foolish. Foolish. Because how was a man named Charlemagne the God going to give you a book on what is Black Privilege in the United <laughs> States? What is it? Like, what could it possibly be? One, like, what is black privilege? And, dude, Charlemagne doesn't even respect black people or black women specifically. Mm-hmm. So y'all are foolish, and I don't care. Like, I have friends who have it on their bookshelf. Y'all are foolish for spending your money on. That's a library book. Mm-hmm. That's a book you get and you return. Or oh, that's a PDF <laughs> that you get. That's a PDF. You got to look up online It's right a quick. PDF. <laughs> so now that I have a... Thank you, Mike, for this platform. I love it. <laughs> speak on this. But anyway... <laughs> I think like the Breakfast Club, Double XL, all of these like hip hop media conglomerates, it's their fault. 
of what we're being fed because yes, kids are looking yes. up to them to give them what's true. They're not using their platform in the same way it used to be done. Like we used to look at the source and the double XL cover as people who were really pushing their culture. It's not that now. It's like whoever has the funds to do it. Right. You know and what I'm saying? I was looking up um, recently the stuff about you know Virgil Abloh becoming the head director of the menswear for mm-hmm. this on. And it's just like I remember someone was saying a good point is like it's not about us just having people 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 of color color in like uh, certain situations but having the right one and that person's gonna power, you know what I mean? That's true. And it's like it's the same thing with like big dogs, double XL, breakfast world, it's like the people who are behind these big platforms aren't using it to push the talent that maybe be pushed out right now. They just they're just they're chasing the bag, which I understand. Yeah. So that's 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 their intention. You know what and I'm also saying? It's cheaper to get somebody like a Low pump signed, and like instead of like a Cardi B, it's, not, it's less money for them to like push out for the for them. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, men in general are like easier easier. I'm putting my quotations up so y'all can't cause y'all can't see it. Easier artists to manage, so that's probably why all these young boys are like. Mm, I didn't think about that. They're like, well, they're easier because it's cheaper. Like you can wear like the same Vans and a white T shirt. Yeah. And like, okay, cool. You know, if you're a girl, there's the expectation for you to have your nails and your, your fashion over and your yeah. weave and, like, all of this stuff costs <laughs> money. So it's like, that's the difference. And that's probably why these boys are excelling. excelling. And two, because I'm a black man. I mm-hmm. love being a black man. Mm-hmm. But the expectation for black men is just on a lower level. And I think it, black men need to vocalize, like, what we expect of ourselves and our counterparts. Because because the lesser, the level is expect it lower we yeah. settle for what we can get which is a little Uzi vert and which is a mumble rapper like someone we don't understand but we expect the women to be like excelling at everything mm. they have to be beautiful they have to be talented they have to write their own stuff that and it's like true. cool I respect that but can we have the men at the same caliber of expectation because if that's that was the case true. the culture would be dope that's why we have Jay-Z's and that's why we have uh, Nipsey Hepsel and that's why we have Kendrick because they set their own bar of what excellence is for them. When you have younger guys, their their level is set by who's getting their paycheck. Yeah. And that's what they're aspiring to. So once you get your check, your job is done. And it's not necessarily has to be excellent. It can be a bop, but it's not excellent. Mm. And then bring it back to like the double XL thing, it's like there's no real transparency in like deciding who really makes the list. It's kind of like, it's, it's very random. Like how do like, how does the list make? Who who are the people? Who are the people making the list? Like even if you I have at, no idea. If you look at a lot of these like uh, platforms like Complex, Fader, House Nobody, or whatever, like a lot of these blogs areas, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. A lot of them uh, people pushing the content behind it are white, pushing this culture of like you know, like it's like it's like when you watch the Gap commercial and you see the white kids doing all the black dances, right? You know what I mean? It's like who was really pushing this out for us? Like who's really behind those articles? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Who's who deciding Lozy's on the front double XL? You know what I mean? So if you look back on like some of the other double XL covers, you see, you do see like people coming out on there or like what Kendrick was on them, Absol's on them, mm-hmm. they be on it. I think Drake was I'm not sure Drake was on one, I'm not sure. But Kid Cuddy and them and Cole and I'm sure he was on that one. And like but now as you look and see like going further and further, I can't tell if it's like social media that everyone's criticizing everything or if it's like at the same time. The talent's not as good as it used to be. That could also be a thing. I think the talent... I think the talent exists. It's just... Like, I don't know if, like, Double XL changed management. Like you said, who's making the the calls at Double right. XL. But I think the talent still exists. It's just that 
we like to put people in like boxes and we like to like um think we can understand like people have to come out like that's what branding is like making yourself digestible to the masses so like if you have a good brand then it's easier for you to access double xl cover because you're easier to sell so when you have someone like an azalea banks or rico nasty or malibu mitch or I'm naming all women. Right. It's not even intentionally. <laughs> I'm just naming women because it's mainly women. Yeah. Or even a like shy glizzy, um, yeah. gold link. I don't think he's he's not on Devil XL. Like these guys. Who's yeah. That brings me to a question. Sorry, to cut you off. Yeah. Who's the who's the biggest rappers coming out this year? Now you think if you had it, biggest what? meaning like they have the most notoriety or who I mess like who I love the most. Most notoriety. Like who's um, the biggest you would say out of this year right now? Right now, ooh, I will have to say Gold Link right now because would you, say, I, would, would you say that even though Gold Link is the hot, had the most buzz right now, would you say Wale? Oh wait, is you're still bigger than him. Yeah, Wale is definitely bigger than Gold Link because Wale's been out longer. But as far as like this moment, who's probably in people's mouths more? It so, probably is still probably is Wale because yeah. like he just dropped um the X Complicated EP. I, I, didn't, I didn't listen to it. Though. I listened to it. I really didn't like it. Although I love Wale, I didn't really like It's Complicated. But mm-hmm. I know a lot of people did. So I think. Wale and probably then um, Gold Link. Who's big? Well, who's bigger? Shaq Lizzie or Gold Link? Then? Gold Link. Really? I would say so. Why? Not for DC people. I would say Shaq is bigger, bro, than Gold Link. No, I would say for in DC people, for people who are in the city, yes, Shaq okay. Lizzie is big, bigger. But Gold Link on a national level. You're right. You're right. And on international, I was in Accra, I was in Ghana, and they played Crew. I was like, what? <laughs> I've been like, it was different. It was like a whole vibe. So Gold Link is a bigger. Artist now, and I'm putting my quotes up again. Oh. <laughs> He's a bigger artist to the masses, but in DC, I think Shaq Glizzy is definitely like the people's champ. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. But I mean, yeah, I mean, we got to have you on. <laughs> Thank you. This is so much fun. It's I wish y'all lived in New York. I would come here every Saturday <laughs> and just talk. <laughs> it's been a pretty cool episode. Uh, Saturday. Yeah. Anything else you want to say to the people before we get out of here? <laughs> I don't know. Anything to look out for? I don't know. Anything you want to say? Anything you want to speak into existence? Yeah, I will say right now, um, Mercury's in retrograde, and a lot of stuff is happening like in the stars and the moons. Mm. But be intentional, everybody. I think for me, it's the springtime, and always the springtime is like an important time to like reflect because, yeah. like, in the spring, things bloom, it's like fertile ground. Yeah. So, be aware of the seeds you plant and be really aware and, and like be careful what you ask for because you could be planting a seed and then it blooms and you're not ready for it. So, I have to say, like, um, it's almost April, so like, happy April, happy spring, but also, like, when you step into the spring, like, be intentional about like where your focus and where your mindset is. Mm. Um, so that's what I'll leave everybody with. I'm just wishing everyone a happy spring. Happy spring. A happy summer. You know? Have a good time. Most Chronicle Podcast signing off Saturday, March 31st, 6 p.m. Catch us. Fuck with us. <laughs>
smoking, she's a funnel. You a wannabe who wanna be, I'm only about the karma. See me in the street on any day, I'm really about that drama. And you know I keep the heat on me, ain't talking about the summer. Smoking key lime OG, and this car got two seats. When I hop out, it dang, you can smell it on me. Handle that shit myself, I ain't gonna call police. Keep that bitch on a leash, or keep that bitch from round me. Focus, so it's time to get nasty Call up them baddies, tell them we gon' send an Addy They call me Hefe Girl, but you can call me Daddy My name is Hefe Girl, but you can call me Daddy Rico, Rico, Rico Uh-oh, that's my amigo These niggas tryin' you Chico's Baby, I'm in beast mode Two shots like a free throw I turn her to a freak hoe She lick all on my pee hoe Then I scrub a little ego Smokin' key lime OG And bitch, I'm scrapped out with that gizzy Little bitch wanna ride with me Told her she gotta show her titties King of D.C. I'm from Southeast We ain't get gritty Me and John Water Richin' niggas in the city Okay, look at me, I'm rich But you stuck around her way Yeah, you should shit a lip Bitch, yeah, that's like her day I told that Michael Drake And bitch, I rocked the Michael Chase A legend in these streets Just like that nigga Michael Frank Smokin' key lime OG And this car got two seats When I hop out in the game You can smell it on me Handle that shit myself I ain't gon' call police Keep that bitch on a leash Or keep that bitch from round me Yeah, yeah Smoking key lime OG, and this car got two seats. When, when I hop out, it dang. You, you can smell it.